looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. And with that, Calvin, we start. So, what was that? That was fantastic. All right, hold on. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. That's how excited you are to be on the show right now, Mark. Can I Blue get that for like plums. my text ringer when you send me a message? Oh, totally. So that's Will Ferrell in uh, the show Eastbound and Down, playing oh, a character. Yeah. Uh, he's a car salesman actually in that show, which is a great show. So it's great. Um, Calvin Johansson joins us uh, today. Uh, no Ross Peterson. Ross's mother's not doing well, so Ross is not here today, so we wish Ross well. Uh, we're also joined by John Olson's back, fresh off a huge victory up in Spencer, Iowa. Woo! Howdy, everybody. John, so so we got, so so Calvin's here for a couple of reasons today. We're going to, you can swear on this too, we're going to shoot the shit about uh, mountain climbing. You like to buy a lot of homes. Now we're going to educate some people. Uh, you're just a weird dude. I mean, that's how I would describe it. Like you're just a, you're just a weird dude. You you are not you're not normal. Let's put it that way. And normal is oftentimes bad. So that's not a. I'm not uh, being derogatory toward you. It's just you're just not normal. Do you think I'd have success changing my Tinder profile to just a weird dude? Are you single and ready to mingle, or are you uh, with somebody now? Um, I'm single. I recently kind of started dating or seeing somebody, but relatively new so i don't i guess technically on paper single okay so see john is also nice. technically on paper single right i am now. single so you ladies out there if you want some interesting dudes we got a great golfer and we got a great mountain climber i don't yeah. know if this is a great sales pitch but i would say ladies i'm the master of the six-month relationship so uh, <laughs> ever since i've known you i think you've had a few girlfriends <laughs> to be honest about it so uh, with the best of intentions. I know. always have the same wife. I'm boring. I'm just like, oh, still married, dude? Yeah. Still married. Yeah, I'm still married. What so. a wonderful woman, too. Yeah. Mark, I see the happiness in your kids and all those things you're posting in the wife. So yeah, I know you're loving no, it. No, we're doing, we're doing well. So Happy wife and a happy life. Happy yeah, life. no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so to recap John, by the way. So I didn't know anything about this tournament, by the way. So John just won a, uh, it's an amateur golf tournament. Took place in Spencer. Um, last weekend, uh, four yeah. round, four round tournament, right? Mm -hmm. But this thing was huge. Just 384 golfers were in this thing. Yeah. They're from all over from Florida, California, Iowa, Minnesota. Most of them are kind of within the Midwest and whatnot. Um, and a lot of them come up just because Okaboji is such a draw Yeah, and they want to have fun. They want to get away for a little bit. It's a good summer vacation before school starts and before everything in the real world gets back out there again. It's obviously a little different this year with COVID and, and all those kind of things. So different measurements were used this year than have been in the past. I played in it once prior back in 2016. 
and it's an awesome event. It's a lot of fun, and, and Spencer's a beautiful town. Uh, Okaboji's a wonderful place, too. It's a lot of fun. It's a different world up there. And they just bring the entire community around, and they put this event on for anywhere between 350, 400 or so is kind of their max. But they, the way they run it is different because most tournaments are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you play one, two, three rounds. Boom, 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 you're done. Uh, with this, you have an option to play Thursday, Friday, or you play Thursday, Saturday, or you play Friday, Saturday, and then they make a 36-hole cut. And after that cut, you're either going to keep playing or you're not. Um, and then if you're in the championship flight, there's, I think, 24 of them, uh, 24 players. Then you play 36 holes on Sunday. And it's, it's different. The whole locations are different from Thursday, Friday to Saturday. So, and people understand that. Most of the time, people would bitch and moan and complain because yeah. it's not the same conditions. Yeah. Everybody goes into it knowing, you know what, it's different. It's cool. It's fun. Yeah. We don't need to gripe and complain about it. We're not going to bitch. We're not going to moan. Yeah. We're just going to enjoy it. Is it so, up there every year? Yeah. Because I've been going up to that area. We have a place in Okaboji mm-hmm. since I was... 17 years old. Right. I've never even heard of this thing, but yep. I'm, not a, I'm not a golfer either. So well, you're not in the loop, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm way you got to get up dude. there at that time of year. Way out of the loop. Right. First weekend in August typically is what it is. Okay. It's a lot of fun. So John, these 384 people who are showing up, are they looking for a big payday cash prize or is it more just no, an expensive hobby getaway? It's, it's an expensive hobby getaway. I mean, there's people in there that are shooting in the hundreds. I mean, it's, it's some people just go to screw around, fuck around, have fun. You're saying Mark and I have right. a chance. Oh, oh, you can I, play if you want yeah, to. Yeah, I can play. You can play if you want <laughs> to. And, you know, the best – there's good players sometimes that don't play well. There's good players that do play well. And then there's average players. Do you golf at all? Play out of their ass. I made a conscious decision about three years ago and mm-hmm. sold my clubs to play against sports for $25. And, and you went and climbed a shitload of mountains went instead. Went a shitload of mountains. Good for you. So I did, actually. Wow, you're right, yeah. Golf is uh, one of those things where I've never played a legit round in my life, meaning – I'm your normal golfer, and I can get around the course. I've golfed with John plenty. He knows the skill level. You know, I'm decent. But I'm a proper, which means, you know, you, you, you prop your ball up a little bit just with your club. You know, you kind of move it over to a little bit of a better spot. You prop it out of the higher grass, stuff okay. like that. You can't do that in tournaments. You got to play it where it lies, which I've never played a full round of golf in my life playing it exactly as it lies. But you've played a full, Nor like, at least a round. Sure, sure. Okay. But not, like, legit rules. You're screwing around, why would you? Yeah, go just, play. Go have fun. I, I, mean, would, I, would screw up, I would screw up the rules accidentally in a tournament. It would not be good. So, so um, Calvin, let's talk a little bit about your journey because you've, ha- you've had a journey. So, um, and you're free to tell your own story. But somewhere along the line, so if I look back at – uh, photos of you like five years ago on Facebook, you were a much fatter version of Cal. Um, so it feels like somewhere you just like decided to make some big life changes. Is that right? Yeah. There's a, a story that people look back to. They have, we have fat Cal and more modern fit Cal. So yeah. to speak. Um, nobody sure. can, nobody can see you, but Cal's a fit guy. Yeah. Uh, and probably now like people, um, if you look at my Instagram or Facebook track down, they'll be like, who's this guy doing these crazy yoga poses, right? Or what's yeah. this, this, Handstands. Fit, this fit guy, right? Yep. And I always like to tell a story. I'm like, it wasn't that way always. And at one point I woke up one day and I was 230 pounds. Wow. And it had, I'd put on 50 pounds from what I'd always been my entire what life. What are you now today? Probably, I always have around 185-ish, 180. Okay. Probably 180, pretty lean right now. Okay. Good for you, man. 50 pounds lighter. Yeah, and it one day was the whole. It happened over a couple year period in my life, later twenties, I think. Um, you know, those little things add up every day. I just like 
started my day with the big gulp and bag of chips from Casey's yeah. and no yeah. big deal. And you do that for a couple of years and you don't see the change, like all changes happening in front sure. of you and you get used to it. And, uh, I went through a relationship kind of breakup and I remember having this moment, uh, looked in the mirror and for the first time, it's like, I saw myself in first time in three years for something. And I was like, Jesus, if I'm going to be a single guy and date, who's ever going to want this, so to speak? Isn't that a real big driver for people? And again, I've been in a relationship forever, but I hear that. It seems like the breakup is oftentimes a catalyst to get your ass into the gym. It is because you, you know, in a relationship, you grow comfortable together. So you're yeah. developing a different bond, maybe beyond the physical attraction a little bit. But now once you remove that element and you're looking for an external motivator, which is probably how people perceive you, yeah. it's uh, let me get my ass in the gym. Which that was it initially. Yeah. And then um, after a couple of years of, I turned to running was like my grace at the time. I was like, I'm going to get into running. I remember running two miles was impossible. And then it was like further and near impossible. It's like, let me run five miles kind of thing. Five miles is always challenging. Then I set some goal for some reason. It was like, let me do a half marathon, which just seemed mm -hmm. impossible for me. Yeah. And so I started training, which felt good. And through that process, I started giving up, uh, fast food. So I quit eating McDonald's, you know, yeah. Burger King for lunch. Hard to do. I Hard had it this do. week. It dropping soda. Um, and then I did, I remember, so I was training for my half marathon. It was the exile half marathon. My friend was putting on and I was out for my training run. It was supposed to be just 10 miles. If anyone's ever done a running program, it kind of scales up, it scales down. You never run the full duration until the day of the event. And I was scheduled for like 10 miles and I was just like on a high and I was like, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And then so out of my training run, I actually ran my first, uh, half marathon ended yep. up I didn't even go to the event because I accomplished what I really want to accomplish which was that like feeling I could do it yep and I was like well life goal I always hear people like to do me and myself is like the idea of doing a marathon someday again incomprehensible seems like my impossible I was like well I can do it someday which means I'd have to like start over and retrain or I'm kind of halfway there so let's just keep this journey going and so for a couple of years like running my saving grace and then I mean I'll just jump ahead I want to get and take up two hours of my story but um, initially I had that breakup, woke up 230 pounds heavier, 50 pounds heavier than I'd ever been my whole life and external motivator. Let's get a little bit healthier. And through a path of self-development, becoming more self-aware, I realized a couple and few, probably three, four years ago, whatever the timeline may be, I would look back and I realized the real sense was I lost a true love for myself. I didn't have this may sound woo-woo to people, but mm -hmm. when I realized I want to truly love me for who I may be inside and treat myself kindly and with grace and who I want to be in the world and show up, that's where things really started to shift into my life. And it was like, take care of me for who I am um, and serve that person. And then now, like I was just thinking about this last night of probably in some of the best shape I've ever been physique-wise, if people look at that externally. Yeah. And oddly enough, it's weird because I used to focus on that, like, ooh, let me get, you know, fitter, stronger. Yeah. I don't at all now. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's because of the practices that I do of, I love climbing. I love yoga. I realize what eating good food does to me energetically and physically. Sure. It's just like, I just treat myself well. And now, uh, the results of that is a leaner physique. That's not fat cow anymore and more yeah. fit cow. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wish the old food would taste a little better. Absolutely. But that's the, that's the knock against healthy food. And I know a lot of people that eat healthy food and only healthy food will say, no, it tastes, it tastes great, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't taste like a Big Mac. It, it just, I, it just I doesn't. Have, it's not made in the lab. Yeah. Uh, I specifically remember, um, this could be a good question we could all maybe kind of answer, but light switch moments in our lives. And I was trying to give up soda. I grew up on soda. My mom would always buy the cases of soda for five bucks and we'd have a stack in the back yep. room. And I'd start off every morning slamming a Mountain Dew, 
driving 80 miles per hour to get to high school in the morning, you know, amped up. Mm-hmm. And I did that my whole life. And as I was getting away from fast food, getting healthier after the 2.30, slimming down, I was like, I wanted to like change relationship with soda because it seemed like that always went with everything. I'd have a big meal, gallon of soda and yep. so on. I was just drinking it all the time throughout the day. And so I had a period, it was like maybe for like a couple of years of like kind of giving it up. I'd give it up for three or six months and then I'd start drinking it again. Probably anyone who's trying to quit a habit. But then I was in North Carolina uh, visiting a friend and I was driving to South Carolina to Charleston. I remember this specifically and I stopped at a gas station. And at the time, that's when I was like, I'd been weaning down on soda, but it was still in my life. And I got the 32 ouncer because I'm like, I'm in the car, road tripping, got in the car, was driving for maybe an hour. I drank maybe half of it. And I had a switch in my brain and it was for the first time I just looked at it and I said, I don't identify with this anymore as an indiv- I don't identify as the type of individual who would be drinking this or whatever. Maybe yeah. it's a sense of judgment, whatever, yeah. but I truly was just like, I'm done with this. And for some reason in that moment, yeah. I just like threw it away and it was easy from then on. Like it didn't appeal to me whatsoever. For me, the identity shift is what like, changed. you know, what's Snapped funny. And went like that. Snapped. You, well, you, you know, it's funny that resonates with me a little bit. I don't know if you've had something like this, Johnny on the golf course, et cetera. So when I go back to my senior year of high school, I was going into that season um, as a, you know, name in the Des Moines Register, um, you know, player to watch at wide receiver, that type of thing. And I went out and had had a terrible first game. We were playing at Valley. We won the game, but I was dropping passes. I shouldn't drop, et cetera. And and after that, our next game was going to be at Fort Dodge. And somewhere along the way, I do remember a time when it was, I don't know if it was specifically in practice or whatever, but I just had that mental switch where I'm like, you're not dropping any balls anymore. There's no reason to do it. If it hits your hands, you got to catch it, et cetera. Now, I won't claim 100% perfection, but from there, it's pretty, pretty in games the rest of the year and in practice, wasn't dropping stuff. And sometimes it's like the power of the mind, right? Because it still involves your hands and catching and all of that stuff, but it's just like, I don't drop balls. I remember these that's games. Not, you're that's not what about I too. do. I remember these games you're you talking know? about because Mark and I grew up together. We went to high school together. And there were, there were people in the stands. Was it Fort Dodge, the second game? Four Dodgers was the second game that year. Charter yeah. caught the ball. What? Charter yeah. caught the ball. Yeah. What? Yeah. Charter caught the ball. What? Yeah. I mean, it was just, and you were fantastic after that. But I, re- I remember that first Valley game. It was like, Jesus, the guy dropped everything. But there, there, yeah. is, there are moments where you're like, I'm sick and tired of this shit. Yeah. Let's do something different. And you don't let that happen anymore. And there, from a golf perspective, yeah, I mean, there were times in my life where I made those decisions, whether it be with an instruction change, like an instructor change, I sure. should say. Um, routine change, uh, fundamental changes, this and that. That's important. Life changes. What you're talking about, Cal. I mean, I went through something similar. I, I got. I'm five eight. I got up to two hundred five, two ten once. You know, I got down to one fifty five about a year ago. Same kind of thing. Relationship struggles. That kind of set me off to a different path, but it got me down a road to where I became much more healthy. Um, quit drinking. I, I I quit drinking alcohol for about twenty months. I stopped drinking soda a few years ago, too, and that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, got in the gym. I was in the gym a lot, but, I mean, I do two-a-days, sometimes three-a-day kind of stuff, and I got in really, really good shape. And I've probably gained maybe 10 cents, and I'm around 165 now. But that, that improved my golf game and improved the way I looked at myself. It Makes your wiener look bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that's never a bad thing. From, but from, what, I've, <laughs> from what I've heard and read, you know. It, it improved a lot of different things, you know, and it, 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 
it was a mental switch. It was a physical switch. It was an emotional switch. Um, and it was something I had to go through, uh, which was a good thing. Because uh, some of those moments are really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time to get out of some shit. But, um, you know, I want to hear more about these mountains that you've climbed yeah. and, and where you've been and what motivated you to do it. If it's, it's, if it's the metaphorical side of, Jesus, look at this 14,000-foot mountain you're staring right up at. And, you know, do you do those in a day? Do you do a couple in a day? I don't even know. I went to school in Colorado, and I'm such a wuss. Yeah. I never even climbed one of them. So, so, so to summarize the mountains, though, yeah. and, and we'll dive into it because there's a lot to, to unpack with, with that journey that you went on. But to summarize it, um, was the original goal 100 mountains in 100 days? Um, the original goal was 75 mountains in 75 days. Okay, and the, when we're talking mountains, we're not talking over in Boone. We're talking real <laughs> mountains. These are big mountains. Yeah, when I tell people this kind of story or things I gravitate towards. I remember at the time I was dating a girl and I was following another guy online who was doing like some Everest, like the big mountains of the world. And the reason I'm teeing this up for a reason, she was like, I would tell her this. I'm just amazed by it. this guy. I was trying to climb the seven tallest mountains and get to the North and South pole in the fastest time ever. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, didn't get it. Wasn't it? I was like amazed. Like, and why was, would you do it? She was like, I don't understand. I don't understand it. Like what's the scale and me having to climb some mountains and being a little bit in the world, teeny tiny could get a, makes it relatable was the yeah. thing, right? It'd be like, if you hadn't played golf before and talking about a tournament, so to speak, but okay. So these mountains, um, in Colorado, it's known for, um, 14 or any mountain above 14,000 feet from sea levels called slang 14 er and I had climbed um, just a handful of them. How many are there in the continental United States? Yeah, the lower 48, there are 75. So hence um, the journey of 75 mountains in 75 days. I was like, it's kind of a life goal that people may set up in Colorado to do all 54 to 58, depending how you identify. We'll just call it 58. Yep. And I was like, for some reason, just feeling this itch of wanting a break, a change, a challenge, but more of like a commitment to myself a little bit. Push yourself, see what you can do. Push myself. Um, and so I just kind of came up, I was like, wanting to switch things up at four or five years. I remember walking into my office, this office space I'd rent in West Des Moines. And I was like, I've been coming here for four or five years of my life. I spent a lot of time between these four walls. I've got to do some cool things. And most part, I've been spending most of my life in here. It's time for a change. Yeah. And I just like, kind of quit the lease, let the guys know. I was like shutting down. I didn't know what I was going to do with my business. I was just like, I'm stop it. I've got this list of mountains. And it was a simple idea. It was just like, could I? I didn't know if I could do it by any means because um, it was like, take the list of the 58 at first Colorado. And if I was going to do them, the goal was like, okay, how many? Sorry, I'm getting all over. Uh, so there's the 58 mountains of Colorado. I was like, well, if I'm going to do those, how many 14ers in general are just in the lower 48, the continental? And it turns out there's 75. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to go on this ridiculous journey, if you're going to do 58, what's 17 do more? Just Absolutely. do the 75. So 58 of the 75 are in Colorado. Correct. Yep. Okay. Um, the other two, it's two different summit points on Mount Rainier outside of Seattle and Washington. And the other 15 are down in California and then high Sierras. So uh, I didn't really have a plan besides like a loose itinerary of what would make sense kind of logistically. Um I bought a car and I think a week or two later it was a Prius and I was just going to car camp it. I hit the road and I was like, let's just start this journey. So this is totally by yourself. You're just like, I'm going to go climb yeah. 75 mountains <laughs> by myself. And it was like when I was researching and putting together the idea, this idea was with me for like a year or two, just like yearning or itch to go. 
Um, and I actually, two years prior, I went out to Colorado to kind of test drive the idea. And I did seven mountains in seven days, like seven the more easier 14ers, like the front range ones. Are you doing this in May or when, when um, did this journey start? Like July. July? Okay. Yep. Um, or very end, of Ju- very end of June. So let me ask a question because when you first said this, like, if, if you've never climbed a mountain like I have not, you've yeah. got a vision in your mind, at least I did, that I don't think is quite accurate. I, I, and I know enough about what you did to know there were certainly some challenging spots that you mm-hmm. had to get through, et cetera. Because when we think mountain climbing, like I've watched movies like Free Solo yeah, and the yeah. Dawn Wall and stuff, and they're ropes and they're clipping in and they're doing all this stuff. We're talking about mountains that not all 75, but some that a normal person could kind of walk up with yeah. some climbing involved. Like what's an average yes. mountain like to actually get to the top? This is a great question, Mark, um, as far as uh, mountain climbing scale. First, the world's largest mountain, Mount Everest, you can walk up it. Mm-hmm. Technically, you can use no well, you would, gear. Well, you would die if you just <laughs> tried the, to walk up it. It's, just. It could be technically a non-technical climb without ropes and stuff to one path up to the very top. Um, do we go into this? And when it comes into mountain climbing, you're on a scale of one to five. So trails, uh, a one is a nice little paved, not paved, but like a dirt trail. It's going to lead you right Many to the top. Many people have been there before. Many people have been there. You don't have to use your hands to touch anything. Okay. Uh, class two your hands might get dirty on touching a rock, right? Yep. Most part, many people have been there. Yep. Uh, those are fun. Uh, number three, things start to get more uh, sketchy. So you're going to have what you'd call exposure. And exposure is just a slang term for um, vertical fall. Like uh, you're going to get really injured, injury or death. If um, you make a wrong move or go off the side correct. or something like yep. that. Yep. Um, class, so that's class three. And so a one has none of that. There's nowhere to fall off yeah, you're, on a one. Yeah, you'd have to roll down the mountain to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, or you okay. might roll your ankle, but you're, okay. you're, in, the, you're in the good. Um, so class three, you're scrambling hands and feet. Um, some exposure, uh, some danger starting to arise. Class four is definitely, you don't need ropes yet, but you're scrambling hands and knees at some point or hands and feet and knees. Yep, yep. Uh, if you fall, you're definitely serious injury or death. Um, so a lot okay. more deadly exposure. Class five now is where you get into technical rock climbing. This is a movie like, say, free solos are the ones with all the ropes and the crazy gear. Yep. And once you get to class five, um, then things go into what's called the Yosemite decimal systems, so like 5.1, 5.2. If you're in technical so climbing. five is for pros. Five is for pros. You're going to need technical gear. So, or you should, or you're kind of dumb or really a pro yeah um maybe low class five you don't need but yes you would have ropes you would have harness all those things yeah so most of these mountains i did were one through four half of them were probably class two in colorado um threes and fours like the other ones and then there's a few um in california that required class five stuff so technical gear trad climbing and then uh, mount rainier be alpining so those like spikes that are coming out of your shoes you have harnesses because it's snow capped right it's, at the top it's yep. got a giant glacier there's these things called crevasses which is just like a giant hole in the earth um where the ice is opened up yep. where these things are so large you could drive a school bus in there and it would disappear and you'd be like where'd that school yeah. bus go how many how many yeah. of them have snow at the top all of them depending what time of the year the season mm-hmm. you could That's go in the winter asked, and they would yeah. all be yeah uh i mean even snow capped i mean even in colorado right now I mean, it's to, it's to the point of the year now. There, there's not going to be too much snow up there anymore. Yeah. Where's the, but, so which one was the tallest of all of them that you did? Mount Whitney in yeah. California is the tallest in the lower 48. Not sure. Okay. How, how high <laughs> is that one? Uh, over 14,000. Is it 16? 
No, it's fourteen. It's They're 14? all in fourteen thousand. Okay. Um, I get terrible at the numbers and the above. So the most solid. fascinating part of of this journey to me is the mental part. Yeah. Okay. Because you're describing a one. I could maybe go do a one today. I'd be tired as hell because I'm out of shape. But you'd be feeling it for a week. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but in theory, yes. I could do it. So it's not like the mountains impossible. You you could you could get through it. It's the logistics it's the driving it's the getting your butt up there when you don't want to get up there it's bad weather it's all of the other stuff i watched i'm sure you've seen this knowing you probably more than once the uh the iron cowboy guy who did 50 marathons essentially in 50 days which sounds impossible to me um because they were Ironmans, right? That he was that he was doing. So this key part of my story, yes. So so that's crazy, crazy, crazy to me. Yeah, that's yeah. unbelievable. So I think there was somebody else who did something marathons on every continent in six mm-hmm. days or something like that, besides Antarctica. So so in this journey, you made it through. Like, how many times did you want to quit? How many times were you like, I'm not doing a hundred. I'm going to do fifty and call it good. Like. The self-doubt. Yep. That's a huge part of a story like this. How, how often were you fighting that? Yeah. So, and maybe give a couple people more piece of information. So say maybe an average climb on a day, I'd be out there from on average, a standard day would be 12 to 18 hours of up, down, and then probably drive another two hours next mountain or something, right? That's an average day for me. Sleep, repeat. Um, Iron Cowboy, you mentioned this. This is really important, the mental aspect. So two years before I did this project, I wanted to officially do it. I wanted to test drive it. And I was like, I've got this idea to go climb on the Colorado mountains. Let's go do it. So I went and did seven mountains and seven summits in seven days is like the little number in my head. So I went out there and I was coming down off number seven and I was like, no fucking way. I'm Mm -hmm. done. I'm (laughs) out of here. There's no possible way I could do this. And I squashed the idea and I buried it. And I was like, I could not do it. And I don't want to do it. That's, I feel terrible right now. Yeah. Um, fast forward. It was the following summer. I started following this gentleman, James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy. My buddy Chris, who's into ultra marathon, one of my best friends, he's like, you have to check this guy out. He's going to do 50 Ironmans uh, in 50 days. Which is a marathon running, 26 miles. It's a couple miles of swimming. So 2.4 miles of swimming, 112-mile uh, bike ride, and then you run a marathon. That's crazy. Which is considered elite no matter what, but to do them every just day do one every for 50 day. days this is, is just mind-blowing. To me, this is the greatest um sporting probably or at least endurance accomplishment that's ever been happened and hardly anyone hears about it. and there's a documentary about this happening that i've watched and i got mad when people started nitpicking like you're nitpicking like the fact he did one day in a gym instead of like the real thing what do they call him an iron cowboy what's the cowboy portion of it he kind of looks like one or wears um, a hat or something he's been doing iron man's triathlons for a while and he somehow picked up that moniker this is racing but so i was following him and i was like if james comes to iowa i was like there's no way this guy's gonna make it to 50 right but he would like on his journey you could join him in any part any state which is kind of run with them and yeah yeah. so i'm following him like maybe he'll get to like a dozen or something i have no idea like no one's gonna do 50 like Mm. how could you do three or five so following him following him and i was number 43 i think and before you know it i was coming up and i said if james makes it here at this time in my life i'd run two marathons prior i was not in marathon shape at that point you know it's like a mental thing more than physical sure and i was like I'm going to do the marathon with James because this human spirit, like to meet somebody is crazy. Cause he wasn't doing super fast speeds. He was, you know, to do that sustainable, getting it done. So go up to Mason city, Iowa, it's 112 heat index. And I run the marathon with this guy and it's just brutal outside. Yeah. And this is really important in my story because, um, 12, 112 heat index. Yeah. It was brutal. 
So he would go out and do laps. So he'd do like a seven mile loop or something, get some fuel up and go again. And two friends joined me and they ran a little bit of it, but I was in for the whole thing. So we go out, we're doing some runs and you're vibing off everyone's energy, the handful of people that are there and you get to meet James and we're out jogging. I said, James, I'm sure you get this question every day. I said, how do you do this? And he goes, that's actually kind of easy. He goes, I made a decision. It's not a choice every day. I made a decision. And I said, as long as I can physically move every day, I will work to accomplish this Ironman. There's no choice involved. It's a decision. He goes, when I wake up in the morning, last thing I want to do is get in the pool, but my guys grab me, they throw me in the pool and it starts all over again. Yeah. That piece of information is what shipped. So I had that. And then one other thing, like that shifted things. You stop making it a choice. You stop making a choice and just take it day by day. Like if you just focus on the task hand one mountain day by day, don't worry about all the other mountains. Because all that matters today is the one mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love this part of the story so much because I about gave up on my, I wanted to give up on my hero, James. I'm following this guy. We get to like mile 20, 19. I remember we come back to the parking lot and I've now hit the wall for someone who's not in marathon shape, yeah. whatever. I'm destroyed. And I got in my head and I was just like, I'm coming back. My buddies are in the parking lot. They're like, hey, what do you need, you know, to fuel up? And I was like, all right, guys, um, I think I'm done. We can get out of here. I did my part. I supported James. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. going to be fine. And they're like, Nah, man, just sit down. And I was totally in my head. And James, all of a sudden, he feels up, eats his thing. He looks at me. He's like 20 feet from me, walk across the park. He's like, all right, man, you ready to go? And I was like, James, how much how much farther we got to go? Yeah. Like he could see it. I was sitting down. And he looks at his little watch. And he's like, we're at 19 miles. We're like seven to go. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm just like, you know, getting soft voice. Like I didn't yeah. want to continue. Yeah. And he walks up within like just five feet of me. He doesn't say anything. He just looks at me. And I go, you're right. I'm being a bitch. And I like <laughs> grab some water. I get it myself. He's like, uh, do you want me to tell you about the 42 days I've just had? Buddy? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think one of the easiest things in the world to do is quit. It is. So that mindset, it's, it's, it was on hero's journey. I don't know if people are familiar with that concept, but it's like you meet somebody, a mentor gives you peace information yeah. and it, it's silly. It's easy in theory, but in practicality it's different. But that, what he gave me two years later, I was able to go take this list and I went out to do the 75 mountains, 75 days along the journey. I felt empowered. I was like, I'm going to go for the hundred highest. Let's just keep going. Yep. Um, but the tool he gave me was you make a decision, make not decision. a choice yeah. and take it day by day. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Cause when I was researching, I was yeah. terrified. There were some mountains I was watching. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to climb across that ridge. I'm getting all tingly in my stomach and everything. Like, how yeah. am I going to do this? Yeah. All the variables. And I just said, dude, you're going to learn on your journey. Just take it mountain by mountain every day. Decision is you have to get up at 5 a.m. to beat the weather so you don't get struck by lightning and die at the summit. So just yep. get up and go. That's all I had to do. What was the, the the individual hardest moment that you had? Was it a particular spot where you're actually climbing? Or was it a particular day where I'm like, screw it, I'm done? Like, what, do, you have a, do you have something that yeah, jumps out? Yeah, there's, you know, control. along the whole journey, everything prepares you for, like, that big mo- uh, moment, right? Yep. Mount Rainier was monstrous. It was a 30-plus hour day, and that was just so empowering. Just alpine climbing. I thought that was going to be the big day. But maybe two weeks later, I really got the real challenge, which at this point, you know, I'm in mountain, like, 70s or something, so my body has been conditioned. I'm, like, I'm totally different from day one or mountains one through 30. When I got to mountain 30, something clicked. I started to become more conditioned. I was, like, acclimated. But um, so I'm up in the high Sierras, and I'm, like, getting much faster so I can, like, climb up and down elevation much quicker. I can accomplish more. And at the time, I had a guy who had joined me for that week, and we're backpacking in the mountains. And I had, like, I think a four-mountain pursuit. And I was like, okay, man, I'm going to wake up at 3. I'm going to go bag these mountains. I'll be out at – I'm going to be eating Subway at noon. There's this little cafe in my mind in town. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to be there. 
And so um, on this specific part of the journey, I did have somebody with me. And I said, hey, you just, um, you take the tent, take it halfway down, drop it, and I'll grab it, you know? So I grabbed just a few supplies because I'm going to go hit these four summit points. This is where my ego gets the best of me, and I'm just, I'm set up for the challenge of my journey. Sure. And so I get up at three, the day prior, I'd climbed four mountains, which was a super monstrous day. So I was kind of on a high, and I was like, I'm just going to do this and get out of here. And uh, so I get up like at three, set off, and long story short, I'm getting to mountain number two so three we're at 3 a.m wake up and do all my quick math what's the name of this mountain anyway oh man i'm forgetting what the because these are like now these are like in the top 25 so they're really weird obscure ones i'm trying right. to think of the high sierras yeah no, no worries yeah no worries. um so mountain number two first one boom i get it i was like all right this is great uh a sanford i think is or stanford was this next mountain so i'm, I'm trying to find it i get kind of lost and i'm like fuck where's this thing by the time i get to it i get on the summit of it and I'm watching the sunset go down. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck. I yep. was like, I don't have any of my warm clothes. My it's about to get bag. cold. It, it was the opposite of full moon. It's about to get cold. So my mind, I'm like, um, if you're going to make it through this, uh, let's start dropping too. elevation because every thousand feet is like three or four degrees. And when you drop elevation, that means you got to climb back up the elevation. So the hard part is climbing up, right? So I was like, well, let me so get So to down. go down, you got to go up too? Um, just depending, but in this moment, I'm like, if I go down to tree line, at least I can, I was so exhausted. I was like, at least I can like sleep for six hours or something get rest and climb all the way back up. Yeah. So I like drop 3000 feet or something to get to tree line. Oh, so you had to climb back up cause you hadn't gotten to the peak. Yeah. To, I had, to, oh yeah, this is a good point in the thing. So I had two more mountains to go in order for me to get out where I needed to go. I need to climb up to the top of this one summit and go down the entire backside. So I was way on the opposite oh. side of the mountains I needed to be. Got it. With no sleeping oh. gear, nothing. And then here I am watching the sun go down. Go at, crap. At 8 p.m. I'm like, Calvin, it's about to get real. You're going to have all night with yourself. No Were you a Boy Scout growing up by any chance? I was not. Nope. Okay. So I climbed down to the trees, and I was like, I'm so tired. I'm going to get like five hours of sleep. I'm going to wake up feeling like Superman. 20 minutes later, I wake up freezing, shaking, chilling. I'm like, uh oh, I got to keep moving. My only choice here is now to go up where it's going to be colder and I'm yeah. tired because I got to get out of the mountains. So I spent, it was like a 40 plus hour straight day pushing in and out of the mountains to eventually get back. And I turned up, I had to bail on the two on one of the summits. So then, like, it was terrible because then I had to go back another day and climb up in there. But it was like, I've never been so tired, exhausted. And was so it, excited. was there fear involved at this point? Like, um, almost like this could go really bad, or was it never to that level? For some reason, at that point in the journey on that one, because um, I think you asked me which was the hardest challenge, I had two moments. One, I definitely was a fear. I was caught in a storm on the side of a cliff mountain. I was like, this is where I die. That's how you end up on the news, right? Yeah. This particular moment, the hardest Hiker one. Hiker dies in Colorado or wherever you were at the time. Yeah, I was just like, that one wasn't fearful. It was just more like settle in because you're in for a very long ride. Like, I knew at that point I could get through it, but I didn't know what I was going to have to go through. It was just sure. like, You'll survive. It's just going to mm-hmm. be very, very, very long and tired. And yeah, cold. uncomfortable. and yeah. yeah. Did you ever have any animal encounters? No, You know, so like you hear us all the time, like bears yeah. and moose yeah. and stuff. Out of the four months I was living in the Prius, climbing mountains, I never saw one bear, which bums oh, me wow. out. Oh, wow. That's yeah. weird. I heard some moose. Um, although it's like small, like little animals, but none of like the big no scary ones. No mountain lions or anything like that. No. Nothing. Chipmunks along the way. Just, yeah. yeah, you would think you would have seen a lot of bears. Any That's snakes, kinda, anything kinda like weird, that? Right? I, I Maybe bears are overrated. Maybe yeah. there's not as many bears as we think there are. I think this is kind of important for people. Like, we always hear about the big scary stuff, so it probably keeps us on our couch and we don't want to step mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. Even maybe what's happening, I don't know if this is current, but the pandemic, yep. COVID. Um, I got out to Colorado, I remember, and like I was driving in these one mountains. I got out like late at night. I was going to look at the Milky Way. 
I remember seeing these signs. I was like driving into the mountains in the park and it says like, beware of bears. I remember getting out of my car so timid and terrified because in yeah. my mind I was like, a bear is going to maul me instantly. Yeah. You know, because I wasn't familiar with these situations. And then soon it was like, I was comfortable all night long climbing, walking yeah. around because you become comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the mountain stuff. Yeah, some of the stuff's scary, but you just got to be exposed to it and realize like how realistic are the dangers and ultimately don't forget to live. Like what makes you feel good? I think what you're trying to say is uh, <laughs> if the media says to be scared of something or something's terrible, there's a really good chance it's not nearly as bad as they say that it is. Centralized. Just or want sensationalized. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's like... Uh, I think about stuff like uh, little things, little things like I grew up in the era where um, parents would literally take Halloween candy down to the hospital so it could be x-rayed because they heard, you know, one incident of someone sticking a pin inside candy or whatever. And then the media makes it a huge thing. Right. Yeah, and then right. everyone's doing take. Oh, you yeah. can't eat the candy until mom and dad check it out. I remember my parents checking out the candy, but it's like how prevalent was that? How big of an issue was that? It was never a big issue. You right? mentioned COVID, and I don't want to get political or anything on here, but one of my favorite memes I've seen lately, and it just it made me smile so much, but it said the cure for COVID, and there's somebody throwing the television out their window. Oh, it would help a lot. It would be huge. Yeah, This little thing, the phone, the TV. The phone, always plugged in. Like, And if we want to get back to this woo-woo stuff of self-love, yeah. my own journey, yeah. Uh, starting to tap out of a lot of that stuff, like, yeah. It's easy said, but like less time from the TV, turn the news, all that shit off. People are like, don't you want to be tuned in? I'm like, I get the little bit that I need, but yeah, it's taken away from your life. Well, man. how many, how many of your happiest days do you look back and say, man, that was a great day. <laughs> I spent five hours on Instagram today. Dude, it, was, it was fantastic, I, I got man. I Facebook for six or seven months and just didn't even look at the damn One thing. of the great things that and we now just... Now I find myself looking at it and checking in like 20 times a day sometimes. I'm like, what the you doing man yeah. one, one of the fun things we just did is we experienced my son's baseball season and it was relatively short but he had a, a game during the week and then on the weekends they would play a tournament so we'd go with the parents and you know put a tent up and whatever and watch the games but it was a, nobody was wearing masks it was uh you're outside you, you know you're not on technology and like those were good days it's because mm-hmm. you're unplugged from all the fear and all the we're doomed and uh this thing's gonna be with us forever and all that talk it's just get away from it when you can. Yeah, your focus you, you, you have to. Different. You have yeah. to, for sure. So speaking of shifting focus, um, oh, I want to ask you another question, too, about, about the mountain climbing. Okay. Um, what was the feeling when you got to the peak of the 100th <laughs> mountain? Thank you. No one asked me this. Um, God, how do I say it? Uh, you would think, ooh, big party, I'm excited. And it was just kind of like... This is it. It's over. Did you do a little Calvin dance at the top or anything? I like, no, because I think like I knew I was going to get there. Did you scream Drago at the top of your lungs <laughs> like Rocky IV? <laughs> That'd be great. It was, you know, it's the, I think you, this is said a lot in life, people who set goals or big yeah. goals. And when you obtain it all of a sudden, it's kind of like I arrived and you realize like how important really the journey was. It's about the journey. There's a there's a line so in the song, humble and kind. Uh, once you've achieved your goals, let yourself feel the pride, but yeah. always be humble oh, and kind, yeah. right? It's like I, I accomplished something. I, I did what I, you know, because really like at the end of the day, it's you versus you, yep. right? We, we say it's us versus the world or whatever. Our own worst enemies are self, right? Yeah. Our, which makes sense. And everything. It's that, oh, yeah. Like we talked yeah. about in that quote earlier today I saw about, it was about trees and matches and how one match will bring down a thousand trees yes. and which is like one negative thought 
can bring down kill it all yeah, yeah. correct yeah. your entire positive mindset just i did feel a sense negative. of pride because one of my the main motivator driver in this whole thing was back to the decision commitment to myself because i've started so many things in my life and not finished them and bailed on them yeah and i was like this is just such an absurd goal and put myself out there and the fact for me too singularity and i was and I struggle with this now to this day. One of the biggest lessons I learned was, which I got from the Iron Cowboy, and then me climbing the mountains was, in some sense, it was the easiest yet hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Hardest doing the work, but the easiest because it was my only objective and focus. So the fact that every day I didn't have to look at my email, no work, nothing like. I totally, was, totally unplugged. Totally unplugged. This is the only goal today. And it was like, that was liberating to be oh, like, yeah. whatever I have to do is just get to the top. It was amazing. Yeah. And so like to accomplish that, I was like, wow, I actually followed through with what I was going to say. That was liberating. And then I fell back to society, which is, you know, one of the well, hardest you, adjustments. You realize why people unplug sometimes. So like I'm going off the grid, so to speak, because we, we get in the rat race, man. We get in the rat race and the rat race is schools and PTAs and, and practices and just all the stuff that you have in life that's everyday common stuff. But when you look at it, you're like, I'm swamped this week with stuff, stuff, mm -hmm. right? And like, man, we all have the days just like, I wish I would just, you know, I had a cabin in Idaho with no responsibilities. I could just go out and fish in the stream or whatever, which isn't practical for most people, but I think most people relate to the idea of it being appealing yeah. at times. And you read about that with people. They'll sell all their possessions. Yeah. They have a boat. They'll go all sail in. around the world, or they'll go from San Francisco yeah. down to Chile or something crazy like that, in, or Panama, wherever they want to go, yeah. and they go back up, or wh whatever the case may be. And I don't think it's most people look at those thought. people and go, that's an idiot. I think most people like, look at those and go, now. man, I wish I could do that. Absolutely. There, there's definitely, definitely an appeal to I'm that. I'm going to sell all my stuff and move to Hawaii or Australia or something and just do something completely different. Yeah. Keep, yeah. keep the weirdness going, Mark, I would say. Someone asked me, just like, what's one of the most like things you're most proud of? And people who know me a little bit of the story, they're like the 100 mountains, they look at me as that guy. And I'm like, it wasn't about the mountains. It was really about the commitment. I yeah, said, but decision. really, I just did one of the hardest and it's not that big of a thing for me. It is one of the hardest things I've committed to and did things I'm most proud of. I just got done flipping my first probably house, I guess, yeah. all ish by myself. Yeah. And it was, it was like for two months, singular focus. I was all in just like, man, I was watching you hand. do tiling and stuff. I felt Learn, bad for you. Yeah. But learning all, it was like, it felt again, liberating. I was all in. I like the other day I looked at my email. I used to be like inbox zero guy and yeah. over a thousand some emails. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. This feels, mm -hmm. I've been focusing on what's important, which is, is putting that this house together. the one that you've been posting about online? Is that your own house or is that something you're getting rental. ready to rent or rental. what? Yeah. But I've got potential. Well, they're in there now, like th potential yeah. three-year tenants. I've got some DMU nice. students, but yeah, it was a rental. So segueing into that. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about is housing. Obviously what John and I do is real estate related. We've done some deals together. You bought a, a house that my, myself and KK flipped. Yeah. Um, but okay, so how long ago? How far back do we have to go where you own zero houses? Three, uh, almost three years. Two, two point seven, eight, two point eight years. How many do you own today? Nine. Nine. Holy shit! Nine houses in three years. That's amazing. So now, with that being with that being said, like in full transparency, do you have some kind of partner involved? Nope, are are you, are you dead at, uh, at at the first one, or was it you the whole time? It's me the whole time. So, give an example of you don't have to go into the specifics, but. Um, why you wanted to do it, mm -hmm. um, why you saw that as a path that you wanted to take, and how did you get started? How did one lead to two, two lead to three? Yeah. Are you using the ones you have as leverage into the next ones? Great questions. So, um, so for the longest time, I was the guy who would just, 
I'm still a believer in this, keeping costs low so I can do more in life, like go climb 100 mountains. When I was climbing mountains, I'd bump into people to be like, are you a trust fund baby or something? Yeah. I said, no, I just saved some money up and took a I'm break. I'm a single guy with no mm-hmm. kids. Single guy with no there kids. You go. It adds up. Yeah. Um, so for like a decade, I just worked to pay off all my debts and save money. And I had a goal in my mind, which was to get to, I was, I think it's important. I would say if I can get to a hundred thousand dollars in liquid cash, I feel like I've arrived. And if something happens for three years, I'm covered. Like that felt like sure. security for me. Yep. Age 30, hundred grand want to get there. So lived really cheaply. was always the guy who rented a bedroom from somebody. And then after I did the mountains and stuff, I actually got into a relationship and it was just kind of thinking about the next phase of who I am or life kind of thing. And I resisted ownership because I was like, takes away from my freedoms. There's, yeah, there's it ties response, you down. Ties me down. There's responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. What if the water here goes out? Yeah, yeah. And my business partner slash mentor, Adam Carroll, maybe you've oh, had yeah. him on this podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, we did a film together and stuff. And for a couple of years, he'd be, he's like, dude, you should buy my duplex. And it was like the final property he had. It was like one of his first ones. He had this yeah. little duplex, two single units. And I went and looked at it and I said, all right, let's do a deal. So I was like thinking I'm going to do this. And I love this part of the story because uh, I get in, we get the deal going and then guess who doesn't really start underwriting this guy right here. And so about a month later, I was like, Hey, I was underwriting. I was like, I haven't quite started. The fear crept in. Yeah. I stopped. And he's yeah. like, we're pulling the deal. It's not going to happen. And I was like, okay. Like I wasn't in, yeah. you know, fast forward four months later, calling Adam and I like switch. I was like, I was dating a girl and I was thinking, dude, you're a guy who's been living in bedrooms. What's the next evolution of your life? Give this thing a shot, right? Worst case, you can put a sign in the yard. If it's not for you and sell it. Yep. So I was like, AC, let's do this deal, right? I will pay you what you've been missing out on, whatever. And we made it work this time. I got in and all of a sudden I started doing little things in my house, like painting the walls. And I was like, so were you living in one half? I was living in one half. So I was like, financial is like, that's smart. You have someone who's like kind of covering most of your mortgage, covering most of your mortgage. So that got me uncomfortable. And then I was like, I had a moment. I was like, wait a minute. Like if I roll out of here and rent this space, I could then almost be basically cash flowing and then cover my next mortgage. So I was like, I need to get another space. And I, so I read like two books, I think three books, two books are really important for people's journeys. Rich dad, poor dad. Mm-hmm. It's all about building. If you want wealth, whether mm-hmm. it's like physical health, financial wealth, getting assets in your life, sure. stop trading time for money. Yep. Um, which I was really good at trading time for money and just saving it. Right. Yeah. But that was the only sure. thing that took me so far. So I was like, start building assets. And I read this next book, the real estate world. Cause I wanted to like dip my toes in, um, called building wealth one house at a time. It's a good little read. And the guy was just like, here's what your life would look like if you just bought one house a year for a decade. And he posed the question, he's like, would you like to finance the house of your dreams today or pay for it in cash in 10 years? Mm-hmm. And he's kind of lays it out. And I was like, wow, that like, cause you hear these real estate stories of people like go all in and they own 50 rental, like yeah. just absurd. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ugh, no, and I was like, but one a year seems like, that seems like I could handle it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I went from, I bought a bought a little duplex Six months later, uh, I was looking for my next place. I think Mark and I, you and I were like, you were showing me some stuff around town. There's yep. just nothing really good in the market, but I was looking yep. for a duplex. I love the model. And found this for sale by owner. They just happened to be selling two, a package deal. They'd owned them for 30 years. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, I'm only looking for one for my next year. But I was like, this fits my three-year goal to have three mm-hmm. of them. This will take every penny I have to do this deal. I'm in. <laughs> so yeah. I went from in six months, zero to three houses, yep. six units now. Um, and then I think my fourth one, Mark, you had a flip. Uh, you ended up graciously giving me the opportunity. I bought that one. So in a year I was to four, a little over a year I was at a four. And then there's just no ball. But uh, then it just, yeah, kept getting them. 
Um, I don't need to go through every transaction. I guess how it works out. But uh, I had for the most part been just putting 20% down. Um, I've so far I've not had to leverage another property to get more properties. I've just been working hard, saving hard. And every time I'm like, I get 20 or 30 grand from living cheaply and working hard. Yeah. That's where my brain goes to. Like some people might get excited. Want to buy something else. They're like, you look 30 grand. Yes. Me. I'm like, it's a house. And it's like, I tied up and like, I don't care. It's like, I get four grand over the quick math is a year. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm excited because that's going to pay the rest of my life. And I, you don't need the numbers, but I'm just like, yeah. give me, that's what motivates me. I was like, let me make 20 or 30 grand so I can go buy a house and mm-hmm. put it over there. Like put in a little bank account. Yep. Um, but now I'm in the position of like, I see things a little bit differently with the properties. I want to start now because I have such equity built up in them. They're really increased or sums that I've added yep. value adds that now in theory, I'm just going to make this number off the top of my head. Uh, Cause I'm working with a banker, new guy that I've got. I could probably refinance, pull stuff out. And I might be able to leverage my nine properties into the next five more yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just like now the snowball is starting and yeah. my mindset has been shifted. I'm seeing opportunities everywhere and things just call it woo woo universe is coming towards me. It's like I'm tuned into the right thing. And I'm like, maybe this is the path I'm supposed to be on. So. What is the long-term strategy for you? Yeah, my only long-term strategy, uh, one of my key motivators of why I guess I'm doing this is um, I'm currently a single guy, no kids, all that stuff. I don't currently desire kids or anything, but I think about someday I'll probably have a family that's purpose of life. And I would like to be in a position where if I have a family, I'm not the dad who has to be gone working all the time. And mm-hmm. instead my family's kind of cared, provided for, and I can be at my kids' events. I can be with them. Yeah. So I know the seeds that I plant today. 10, 20 years from now are really going to blossom into something. Before I know it, I'm going to wake up and be 40. My 10-year goal. And then it's oh, it happens. It happens. It happens. So fast. <laughs> these last three years, people are like, you have how many? I'm like, I can't believe it's been three years. It's yeah. happened so fast. Yeah. Um, so really, there's a couple like benchmark goals. One, of, one is my milestones get to five grand a month. Monthly cash flow growth. So after expenses, you have five yep. grand. Almost there. Yep. Um. And then after that, I'll kind of 60 grand a year doing nothing, essentially doing nothing. And it's so empowering. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it's, I have no aspiration to like sit and Netflix it up all day because I'm bored out of my fucking mind. Right. For me, it removes the, the fear of like, how am I going to eat today or the people around me? And now it empowers me to do more things that serve myself. That gives me love. So whether it's more handstands or mountain climbing Mm -hmm. purposeful, man, or like, People in my network, my community, I can just go help people. Like yesterday I had a friend, he was like, dude, I got some serious issues. I got water in my kitchen stand and I don't know what's going on. I said, give me an hour, man. I'll be there. And the fact that I could just show up and serve sure. him, yeah. helped him out. Because your time is free. My time is free. Yeah. It's liber- it's a powerful feeling. Yeah. So what, um, so you've acquired nine, you've had to find renters for nine, et cetera. What, what's been the biggest pitfall that you've encountered so far? Biggest other than figuring out how to cut tile, which I was watching you do on Instagram. Yeah, man. Uh, biggest, I'm sure every property has a lesson. Biggest pitfall. I currently have my first, I've only had one sketchy renter, a meth addict, I had to deal with. Oh, nice. It was like the best meth addict you could have. I okay. Think. It ended in good terms. <laughs> I'm now in a situation where I have the first time ever if someone's kind of behind. I know it's a rough world out there right now. Thankfully, yeah. I'm in a position where like I can give some people some grace, but still right. kind of stay on yeah. them. Um, I would just say learning though, because you even rewind one year ago. I remember my friend Alex Welsh came over to my house, the duplex I was living in. And I was talking about like, man, what do you think is under these carpets? Like what the floor looks like. Cause I love hardwood floors. Yeah. And I didn't even really know how to pull up carpet. Like I was <laughs> scared to pull up. Yank. <laughs> That's so he's like, do. dude, you come over here. He's yank, pull in. Like you fast forward a year later, I completely like remodel the entire house. And so every, and I say this because 
I think to answer your question is like every house has been like another ladder rung for me to learn more skills. Sure. Or, and for me, learn more about what a house is and the basic functions of what makes Absolutely. a property, which is very empowering. Did you, um, are you like YouTube and stuff? How are you learning how to tile and how to do the things that you're doing? Yep. YouTube and talk to people. Yeah, talk so, to people. um, just YouTube and talk to people, yeah. uh, which is great. I, and I also have this lady in my network. Uh, I feel like she's my secret weapon, Deb, who I've like befriended as my buddy's um, neighbor. Yeah. And one day he was helping me with the house. Like he, I knew he'd installed his own hot water heater and I had never done that. And I was just like, Drew, will you help me with this? Can you do this part? I'm going to go work on the kitchen, the part I do know how to do. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll handle it. And couldn't figure some out. He's like, I'm going to call my neighbor Deb because she was a landlord and turned out she owned 40 plus properties at some yeah. point. She's a construction manager. She came over and she's like, oh, you got to do this and this. And now she's been kind of a mentor. So like yeah. sometimes running something, I'll like get some information there. I've got other people in my network who are also like landlords, property managers, construction people. I get some information there. Yeah. But now like the era we live in YouTube, there's the most incredible information out there. You can watch several videos from real world experts who will show you exactly what to do. And as long as you're okay to fuck some stuff up and be make some mistakes, make some mm -hmm. mistakes and try to repair it, like you're good. So the only thing we need to do with Calvin now is Calvin likes to go direct to the source, which is real estate agents. We hate that part because he likes to cut us out, which is hey, it's okay. It's part of the deal. But uh, so we need to, we need we need you to find some listed properties so you can call us, or better yet, you just need to become an agent here. So then you get paid the commission on top, which is which is nice. You know, I do have always love Mark. I love getting known you over the years, and I love what you guys are all about because you know the financial aspect is a big driver of me. But just just the vibe, the energy. You walk into this place, and it does. I mean, there's a reason why you guys win awards, which you're known for. But it just has a good vibe and space. And I've been kicking it around. I'm like, it'd be kind of cool if for me. I'm a self growth learning. Like, what's next to learn in yeah. this world? I'm like. Maybe part of it is like becoming an agent or this or whatever, but yeah, we're growing. I think we've got uh, what number thirteen interested in joining, fourteen coming. So we're Sweet. we're we're growing, which it's is fun with the capital PH, which is nice. So we're about to lose KK. She's in here decorating right now. She's uh, about about to pop, as uh, as Can they I say. Have another little girl, probably next week. So yep. we're excited Happy for times. KK. So, um, what are you doing right now? Like, because you're, you're you're a videographer, right? Just by skill, by trade, you've shot videos for us. What what's like other than the buying property and fixing houses? Like, are you actually doing something right now specifically? Yeah. So, good question. Uh, by trade, I was a videographer for a decade plus. I've now kind of an identity shift to step away from that to now pursue open up real estate full time as an investor. So, I want to start looking for places to flip and rent, uh, burr strategy, get into. Um, one thing that I love doing is, um, I do it a few times a week. I'm a yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, people are like, wait, you're a yoga instructor, a real estate investor. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I do it to serve the community of get outside my own little bubble, meet some people, serve something beyond myself. Yep. Um, but I kind of have and flow because I'm now I'm challenging, uh, struggling a little bit. I'm like, I like to go hard on things and I take a break. I have this little bit of balance of like, you know, I'm all in and then I break and I'm wrapping up this big thing that's consumed my life for two months. I'm kind of like, okay, what's next? And I was like, you know what? Maybe, and this is a blessed position to be in. I was like, you know what, Calvin, give yourself some grace. Maybe take two to four weeks, take a month, zoom back, relax, and then let that next thing come to you and then dive after what's next. So um, I may start to get into teaching more because I teach at Power Life here in, uh, in town, a couple classes and climb Iowa, one of my favorite climbing gyms. Um, so I might pursue that path a little bit more, um, but definitely looking for more real estate stuff, um, investing wise yeah. and it's just, I really like the process of putting, doing my first place. I was like proud of at the same time. Now I look at, it, I'm like, oh man, like 
it's not my expectations were way yeah, yeah, high. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, dude, be graceful on yourself. This is the first house you've sure. on your own. Now you know, and you can do the next evolutions of them. So. Beating yourself up is really a good thing. So, That's hey, if you, work. if any of you uh, got a uh, duplex or something you want to sell out there, you can reach out. We'll you hook you up with. We love Calvin. duplexes. Yeah, yes. duplexes are sexy. They're also hard to come by. They're right a fascinating guy, man. I don't weird. I've guy enjoyed no. I, I've enjoyed listening to this stuff. Calvin's so, uh, Calvin's a different breed for sure. By the way, uh, I got a couple questions before you yeah. trail off. How how did you? Go from a geographical perspective, looking at, okay, I'm going to start at point A, that's number one, and here's number 100, and how I go about that, and was it Colorado one, was, was it up in Washington, and then you just kind of kept on going down the that's West Coast great. and overall? Well, and since I started the 75 and 75, it really fucked up uh, the logistics if you were to redo it, but so at first I had the 75 plan, it was like you'd go through the mountain ranges of um, Colorado, so maybe mm-hmm. the Front Range, um, Collegiate Peaks, and kind of follow that kind of curvature and then I knew I had to get up to Mount Rainier kind of at a certain times I had someone else schedule with me because that was like a rope climb you have to have a team to do it okay. so and that guided me there and I was like well if I'm driving all the way to Washington then I'll go back down to um, California and that'll end it all like it was a that's how it was mapped out logistically but then time got away from me and I didn't finish a couple in Colorado before I had to get mm-hmm. to Mount Rainier and then I was like well go to California and it was in California I was about to like finish so to speak and that's where the idea came to me it was like this is the only time you're going to be in this position in your life. You could be done here in like, it was like 10 or 15 mountains or something. Or you could just do another 20, be done in 35 mountains, you know? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm feeling like this position, which unfortunately made me then go back to all the same mountain ranges that I'd already driven to, to go back, climb back up into there to find one or two, which I could have linked from summit to summit on another mm-hmm. day or something. So you backtrack like I the had, best of them. I had to backtrack the best of them, but same time you got to take me back to those regions, which are really beautiful yeah. and stuff. So absolutely. I can imagine the yeah. scenery, man, would be crazy. It's, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, I've been to Colorado. I know what it looks like, but just being up there. And I mean, I have I've to been tell on top people, of some mountains, but nothing like 14. I have to tell people of, I tell everyone of, well, I'm a firm believer there's a few things people should do in life. I'm going to add, I think, a fourth one to it now. Everybody should run a marathon. Firm believer in this. I've done the half. You're going to hit the you wall. Have? Damn to damn when I was 14. Wow. Oh, that's right. <laughs> 14 years old. That's you're going right. to hit that. the wall and have a serious conversation with you, and that's when you're going to decide if you're going to continue on or not. So it's a good character builder. I think yeah. that's why everyone should do it. Number two, everyone should definitely spend a night in jail. I've been there twice. We'll save that for a podcast. Talk about that is something I don't want to do, man. You can't talk me into that one. I appreciate my freedom the way it is. Talk about humility. Oh my god, dude, claustrophobic over here. I can't handle that. Number three, everyone should learn an instrument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Johnny's a good piano player, by the way. Really? Yeah, man. What do you play? Uh, Guitar and drums a little bit, picking it up. Right on. I can play all the major and minor chords on a piano. That's about it. Uh, anyways, that's that's a good thing. Number four, hike a fourteener, or maybe a thirteen or a big mountain because mm-hmm. you're gonna. It's similar to like what the marathon is. You're gonna get that struggle and like be taking baby the thighs steps. are burning. But I took a friend up one, and I'll never forget this moment. We're getting closer to the summit, and he just stopped, and he was like, he was in awe. He's like, it's so quiet. Yeah. He's like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like. We don't get experience. You don't realize all the noise, the shit that's coming to us all the time. Yeah. But to get to one of those mountains, get to the top. First, it's going to make you feel like an ant. Maybe you get a perspective of the universe that maybe you're not the magical being you think you are, like whatever your ego may be from day to day. 
which I get. That happens to me. I'm like, yeah. I'm the king of the world of Des Moines. And then you get out of the mountains like, I'm fucking nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. You get to the top of that mountain. So you're just like, small. it's so beautiful and incredible out here and quiet and peaceful and serene. Yeah. So like, and I try to tell people this, but you have to experience it. So like, you just got to get up there and give it to yourself. So how far away drive-wise is the the very closest 14er? I'd say Mountain Beard's at. So probably 11 and a half hours from here. Is that a De- one? Is that a... One, yeah, and that's usually the one most people start with. Uh, it's like six hours at the top, or so it's like the most popular one because it's really close yeah. to Denver, so high big metropolis right there. But that's a good that's, one to start. To with. put that in perspective, by the way, because we say fourteen thousand feet, and you're like six hours, damn. But that's just a little shy of three miles up into the air. I mean, that's a yeah. long ways. When yeah. you're thinking about it, straight straight up, right? Yeah, if you're going straight up, you get the zigzag step. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's the one I always recommend people go to. That's crazy. All right, so let's. I want to leave people with with this. You've got. Um, I'm not sure what you call them, but uh, essentially, you just said four rules of life, but something else, four principles uh, that you live by. And I don't think you created the principles, the but they're from, they're, they're from a book. Yeah, yeah. Man. The, the four yeah. agreements. Can I test you to see if you actually know them? Absolutely. I like to call you out on this you, shit, by and, the way. And I love it because you check me out. And we've had some stuff in the past, and you check me out and be like, you're fucking right, Mark. I'm back now. Here, here, here's, the, here's the deal. This is, John and I were having this conversation earlier. There's a, there's a new line in a Taylor Swift song that says, a friend to all is a friend to none. I don't know what Taylor meant by that. But I read it as if you're the type that's a friend to everybody, you're not taking positions, you're not taking stands, you're not willing to tell people what they need to hear because you're not going to be friends to those people. You and jo- Johnny and, Johnny and I are good friends, and in the that. past I've told Johnny things Plenty that I think he, that I needed to hear because I think that's what a true friend yeah. does. Best so in the past, ever. like, so I'm that guy. I'm the one that's like, oh, remember when you said you are about this? We need more of those people. In you're the not doing that anymore. Yeah. So... We Some people need- call that an asshole, by the way, but it is what it is. We need more assholes and less fluffers in the world. Truth yeah, can't, don't yeah, be a truth, fluffer. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> assholes can pe- speak the truth, and that's a good thing. All right, what are they? Four agreements. Agreement number one, be impeccable with your word. Okay, Agreement. don't lie. Don't uh, don't lie. Integrity, follow through what you're going to say, do. But also, what do you say to yourself? So have kind, gracious thoughts to yourself that's also yep. looped into there. Number two, don't take it personally. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. It's not about you, man. They weren't doing it on purpose. Yeah. Something happens to you. Things ha- they don't, things don't happen to you. Things just happen. So don't take mm-hmm. things personally. Everyone's living their own story in their world for whatever reason. Yep. It's hard to do, but try to zoom out. Don't take things personally. Yep. Um, number three, do not make assumptions. Yeah. So much drama and pain is caused in our mind. People are just wrong. They're just wrong about it. Yeah. They're just wrong. You create all this like mental drama for what may or may not happen. And it's all based out of assumptions. Yep. Just ask. Yep. And number four is always do your best. I love this. I get challenged that I get challenged them all the time. Always do your best is simply just show up and do the best you can, knowing that your best changes from moment to moment and your best at 8 a.m. may be different than 8 p.m., but you will never have regret or second-guess something if in the moment, whatever you're working on, if you choose to say, is this my best? And you're like, I'm cutting a corner, Calvin, on this tile. Okay, redo the piece of tile. Do your best. We might uh, we might end up stealing that. We might put those on the wall here. um, Those are all good. He's a fascinating guy, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys, is good. you guys are both single. I feel like I just match made. It was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I don't know. Neither one of you. I have to go back but. and get those clubs out of the 
played against sports or probably I have somewhere. plenty, man. Thank I you. have bags. You can help Johnny with the yoga. He can help you with you golf. It'd We're be, in. It'd be great. All right, everybody. Calvin, thanks for joining us. Johnny, thanks for joining us. Uh, shout out to Ross who couldn't be here today. We hope uh, the We're best for about you, his man. mom. About your family. We love you, buddy. Hope you're back next week. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support and we will talk to you next week.